All right, so we're in Romans 14. Make sure you're open up to there. Today we're going to um, go through this passage a little differently than just how we've done it in the past. So first I need four volunteers that want to read some short, short passages for us. Can I get some volunteers, please? Andy, can you do Colossians 2? And it's just verse 16 and 17. And then another volunteer? Anyone else? Dory? Um, Galatians 4, 9 and 10. And then tell me your name again. It's Greg. Greg. I was going to say Brian. Greg, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 9 through 13. And then one more. Okay, Tyler. Romans 6, 17... 18 and 22. Okay, so I'm going to start with our passage this morning in Romans 14. Um, we don't need to rush through these verses, but I'm going to read Romans first, and then I'll have you read Colossians, and then Galatians, and then 1 Corinthians, and then Romans 6. Just one after the other. We don't need to rush. But as we're reading through those on your sheet, I want you to see those subjects that we got there. First one is the question, is this conformity to the law? The second one subject is worship is the focus. Your third one says life and death is not for ourselves. And then the fourth one says the purpose. So as we're reading through these five different uh, verses, any thoughts that come to your head? Any words? Any reactions? Um, any statements that you would make if you were talking to someone? Just jot it down. Put it, put it on your paper. We're going to use this as topics for discussion as we, as we go through it, uh, these five different um, sections in the Bible and in regards to Romans 14 and the subject we're talking about. Does that make sense? So you got your paper? Everyone got a handout? You got the four subjects on there. As we're reading through these, just write down any words that pop up in your head. Questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, any opinions. That stuff's fine. We, I just want to bring them up. want to talk about them as we go through the class today. It's a smaller class, so I need everyone to participate. Usually we'd have double the, the amount of people here. Got it, James? <laughs> uh, I, if I'm the only one participating, it's going to be a real short class, and um, we'll have lunch early. So, <laughs> um, Let me get started. I'm going to start at the beginning of 14 to cover what uh, Tyler taught on last week. Did you get a handout, Sebastian? Did you get a handout? Make sure you guys get handouts. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start at verse 1 and I'm going to read through verse uh, 9 in Romans 14. And then, Mandy, if you'll pick up in Colossians 2 after that. Make sure you get a hand up. Okay, verse 1. Now, accept the one who is weak in the faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand." One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to the Lord. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, 
we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Okay, there's the first passage. Okay, Mandy, if you'll pick up Colossians 2 and read verses 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Good, good. Yeah, that last part right there is very important. Shadow of the things to come. All right, and Galatians 4, 9 and 10. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? To slaves you, you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. Okay, great, thank you. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 13. Take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, you will not be encouraged. But if its conscience is weak, eat food offered to idols. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sitting against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Mm, very good. Thank you. Okay, Romans 6, 17, 18, and 22. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Verse 22. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome of eternal life. Great. Thanks. Okay, so we read through those five passages together. Um, now, up at the first topic, uh, the question I posed is, is this conformity to law? So as we're looking through Romans 14... What's the first thing we always got to remember as we're reading any of the books in the Bible? What's, in, what's important taken into consideration? Is uh, mostly Jews or mostly Gentiles, from what we understand? What? Who is the church in Rome? Wait, say it again. Gentiles. Mostly Gentiles. Great. Yeah, we've come to that conclusion as best we can, right? And um, we went over chapter 13 just before this. I was talking about the government. Were they living in peace and enjoying life and freedom? Free. Free from government rule? No. We know that the, the government was very harsh on Christians, right? So taking in the context, that's what I'm getting at, right? We want to take in the context of who's being written to and, and who's writing and when and why and how. And who is Paul? Paul was, what'd you say? Roman. And what was his history? He was against Christians. He was, uh, he calls himself the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He, he saw himself as top-notch Pharisee in uh, that world. And yeah, before he became a Christian, he was very adamantly opposed to him um, going out encouraging people to kill him and take him out. So he knew the law, the law very well. So again, this first question, is this conformity to the law? What is he teaching and why, why is he teaching this here in chapter 14 now that we're reading through what we learned last week about food and now, now he brings in holidays. So, or uh, days, not holidays, but he brings in days. We can, um, we can apply that to our lives now. But how does, how does that work? Is this conformity to the law? What did, what did you guys think? What were the words that popped up? This is more about loving God and loving your neighbor than 
than meeting the letter of the law. Okay. And why is that? Because whether you do or do not eat or drink or um, or participate in days or feasts or harvests or whatever they may be, um, the motivation behind it should be your love for God and your love for your brother and not wanting him to stumble. Good. Very good. So... In, in regards to the law, is there a difference between food and days? Because at first, last week, we talked about food, right? And now Paul's bringing in the thought of, of different days. Uh, some hold as holy and some hold every day alike. So is there a difference in accordance with the law? Is there a difference to the food that someone eats versus the days that someone observes? In the law, okay. So, pre-Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, those were extremely important. Why are, why are, why are some making it conformity to the law now? And, and as Paul's writing this, not today, but now as in when Paul was writing that. They had given up. They, they didn't understand grace. Okay, Jim thinks they didn't quite understand what Christ came to accomplish. What were you going to say, Andy? They were Jewish mostly, and the Sabbath was part of the Ten Commandments. Okay, yeah. Uh, as well as the kosher laws. So they were fighting against their own. Because they were known for conformity to a law, right? I mean, what was part of the reason the law was there for? To separate them from the world, right? So yeah, that's the way that they've lived. Okay, still on this subject, who's the weaker one in, in the scenario in verse 5? Why are they called weak? If you look down at that, one person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Um, sorry, that's not in verse 5. But um, where does it say it? Verse. Uh, Is it two? Two. Only special. Weak, yeah, there we go. But he's referring to that person, right? So who's the weaker brother in that scenario? Anyone else have any thoughts on that? And who the weaker brother is? The vegan? <laughs> um, we see, he says, being fully convinced in the mind. Right? And he makes a big point on that. In verse 5, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. What? So are we saying that the weaker brother is the one that is convinced that he can't eat certain foods or else he's not in God's favor? He's not earning God's merit? He's not earning his merit with God? Is that what Paul's saying here? Don't violate your conscience. Don't violate your conscience in... Because is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> if you think it's sin and you do it, 
Okay, Jensa Jim says, if you think it's sin, yet you still do it, then it is sin. What, and this applies to different days of the year as well? So what days was Paul referring to when he's speaking to the church in Rome, where we know there's some Jewish believers, but most, mostly Gentiles? What is Paul referring to here? Sabbath. Sabbath? Versus Sunday. What else? Sabbaths are called festivals and feasts. Special Sabbaths. Lots of festivals and feasts. Jewish dietary regulations and traditions. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of dietary regulations. Lots of days of, of observance um, in the Old Testament, right? They were, they were told to observe many, many days. And Paul is telling the church here um, that one's not more important than the other, but it's important what is in someone's mind, right? So that takes us to the second subject there. Worship is the focus. What were some of the thoughts and um, things that you wrote down on your paper as we read through those first five sets of verses that made you think about worship and why it's the focus. What'd you think? Is the person who is deciding to be a vegan and not eat meat at all, are they worshiping God or are they in sin? And how? Why? How are they worshiping God doing that? Okay, their conscience. They believe that's what God wants them to do, so they're following God on it. Okay. So they believe God wants them to do that? Well, there's a lot of context in, the, in their need. Adulterous sacrifices were involved in Right. Okay, so Jerry's saying in Rome there was lots of meat sacrificed to idols, and this is true. And a lot of that meat was sold in the market. And um, Christians at that point that had to buy meat to eat. Some of them weren't willing to take the chance that any of that meat was sacrificed to an idol beforehand. They were worried about their own conscience. They're worried about sinning against God and eating that meat because they were convinced that God didn't want them to do that. Right? Well, that was the context in First Corinthians 8, uh, the meat that was sacrificed to idols. Paul doesn't mention that in Romans 14. He just says that they want to abstain from meat altogether. He doesn't say the purpose. But whatever the purpose is, if they choose the diet that they choose and the days that they want to observe, uh, I think his main point is that we need to, that the stronger brother needs to respect that and not judge them for the decisions that they make. Okay, so why did some of the saints choose a specific day to observe? And the subject of worship is the focus. Why did some of the saints choose a specific day to observe? Because you guys mentioned a minute ago, Sabbath versus Sunday, but that's just two days. Paul, Paul talks about every day alike here in this passage. Well, the reason that we observe on Sunday is Sunday, 
And that's okay? That's okay. Why is that okay? That's okay because it says in verse 6, he, observe, he who observes the day observes it for the Lord. You're doing it for the Lord. So what if Jerry over here says, that's not okay, then what? Jerry's wrong. <laughs> Are you sure, Andy? Are you, is that your final answer? Are you sure? Because what's Paul getting at here? So, but so we have to. So, if Jesus is a Sabbath, does that mean we have to rest one day of the week? If Jesus is the Sabbath, does that mean we have to rest one day a week? Yeah. What does your conscience tell you? You just want me to tell you? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> Andy's got an opinion. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, the subject that we're talking about. But the point, we're getting to the point. Tyler just brought it up, right? The purpose is the last subject I have down there. Um, but yeah, those are the things that uh, Paul's dealing with, helping the church in Rome deal with, right? Because again, they're mostly Gentiles. So, did the Gentiles observe the Sabbath? No. No. But the Jews did. And there's presumably Jews amongst the Gentiles in the Church of Rome. Right? So, they're having these conflicts where it's got to be the Sabbath day. And um, supposedly, they might be Gentiles that say they want to worship on Sunday. And there's probably others that want to worship other days of the week. So this, this is pulling away from conformity of the law. You see how the law used to be set. It was very strict. It was what all the Jews observed very closely, especially the more, more devoted ones, those that were devout, um, and made that a primary focus of their life. But this is pulling away from conformity to the law. This is something that's more... For a, for a Jew and for those in the church, more mind-shattering for those who want conformity to the law. Now think of it in our context today. Those who want conformity to some law within the realm of church, within the realm of God's church, this is going to be a harder passage and a harder um, concept to understand for those in that same mindset. That we all have to be doing the same things on the same days or eating the same foods, right? Food, days, Paul's talking about these here together. But what's the purpose of what they're doing it and why? And that's, that's the topic of this subject is worship is the focus, right? It's about worshiping God. It's about honoring God and what you're choosing to do. Now, again, the reason he's bringing that up, we're getting to the purpose of it down at the end here. But as we're learning through this and we're thinking through it, you could have two people in the same church doing opposite things, and they're both equally honoring God at the same time. Think about that. One decides to eat meat, one decides not to, one's observing a day. One's not to, but they're doing it because they're convinced in their heart. Their conscience is telling them that's what they ought to be doing. And they're both honoring God and doing it because we're talking in the realm of the church. And we're talking outside of sin. Yes? But that's kind of the point. They are doing it, being convinced in their own heart, not out of apathy, not just because it's going with the flow. So last week we used the, the language of um, legalistic and licentious and for somebody who's going to be more legalistic and, and limit what they do, they certainly have a reason for why they're doing what they're doing um, but here it's saying, even if you're going to live out your licentiousness if you're going to live out that freedom of Christ you need to have a reason for why you're doing that so going back to this example we have with Andy saying well I can worship on whatever day and I have a, a reason for that, I can point to Christ is being the fulfillment of the Sabbath and uh, that he is Lord of the Sabbath and the Sabbath was made for man. 
Um, in the same respect, Jerry or Jim, who, whoever um, Dean applied that that other opposing uh, position to you, saying that, well, I'm going to worship on Sunday, that person needs to be equally convinced in his own mind as to why he's going to worship on Sunday, not just because he's going along with the flow. But um, in verse 6, it says that he who does observe this day does it for the Lord. He who eats does it for the Lord. So in a positive aspect, we need to be convinced in our own mind um, have that that conscience be moved within us as to why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Question. Yes. Who picks Sunday? Who picks Sunday? Why Sunday? Probably the Romans. Why Sunday? What do you guys say? Scripture talks about the Is that our calendar? What do you mean by our calendar? <laughs> oh, that. Well, ours, of course, oh, there's the first day of the week. That was a day, like James said, that Christ rose from the dead. Uh, like we recently looked at 1 Corinthians 16, that's when Paul told them, set aside on the first day of the week that a collection will be made. So that changed the whole concept, whereas before it was based on creation, that on the seventh day the Lord rested, so that's why the Jews would rest on the seventh day on the Sabbath day, Christ's resurrection changed that pattern. Kind of a memorial or celebration of his resurrection. Does that help? Yes, yes, there's been several different calendars, lots of different calendars, but they've never changed the days of the week. As far as I know, all calendars have always had Sunday as the first day of the week. For about 2,000 years. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I really... Um, appreciate worshiping on the day that Christ rose, right? If it was a Tuesday, um, I'd, I'd want to make that day special. If it was Thursday, it's, it doesn't, but it was Sunday, right? So for me, and what I'm convinced of, Sunday's important. Sunday's an important day to um, make extra effort in doing those things and being with the church body. So, you know, it, it's on his timing, in my heart, not my timing. No, I'm not me picking the, the day myself, really. But. Really, we should worship every day. Yes. Sunday is the get together. Right. Right. And that's part of the point Paul's making here. Some see every day alike. And every day we ought to worship the same. Right? And um, he's referencing that brother as the stronger one, as you'll we'll see once we get back over to chapter 15. But. Um, it's, it's based off of a believer's conscience and what they're believing. So um, some people choosing not to eat food and doing it in honor of the Lord, that's important for them to be able to do because they're worshiping and doing that. And same thing on what days they're observing and what days they're, they're not observing um, and why they're doing those things. Yes, Jim? As, as the world became... Well, Christian, we've almost made Sunday fit the definition of the Sabbath. And they, uh, for years, people didn't work on Sunday. We had certain closed stores and things that couldn't open on Sunday. There's a whole bunch of things that the Sabbath, the day of rest, became Sunday, actually kind of became Sabbath by definition. Started to conform to law, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, a little too much in some aspects. Yeah, too much. We had, we had, all the, we had so many laws in our country. Yeah. That enforced it. Yeah. And it's like, that's a little bit overboard. Well, and we see it. We right see it. It says it's overboard. Yeah. It, and we see it amongst, um, you know, uh, organizations that get together falsely in, in Christ's name and say that they they worship God, right? Just here where we're at. That... Um, 
there. It's conformity to the law more so uh, than anything else. And it's man-made laws that they'll build up and bring up. I want to point this out. Um, this is Jeremy's chart that he developed a while back. And um, these are three columns of primary doctrine, secondary doctrine, and doubtful things. And he, he's printed this out before, and it's very useful. He talks about it on his uh, podcast a lot. We've gone over it a couple times here in Sunday school. And we can do handouts of this, too. So if you need some of these, you can just let us know, and we'll make some copies when we can. But this is a, a banner that Key Radio made him to take when uh, he needs it for some of his things that he's doing. But doubtful things, this is something that we need to discuss right now because I thought it was important that we understand this in the realm of the church, in the, in the realm of our body, believers, people who are part of Christ. The definition said, these issues are to be discerned individually as the Spirit will bind and loose Christian consciences differently. <coughs> these are matters of wisdom and foolishness. They are not inherently right or wrong. Principle, obey your God-given conscience. Don't cause others to stumble and be wise. He's got several references listed here, but listed under this, and this is just what he's put together. There's probably more, but it says alcohol, Bible translations, clothes, food, hobbies, holidays, mission field, music, personal appearance, personal finances, personal health, personalities, politics, schooling, social networks, tattoos, and tobacco. So those are a list of things. It's not a full list, right, Tyler? There's more you could throw under there easily. But those are the things that we're discussing. Those are some of the things that um, shouldn't uh, divide the church. But those are things that we need to be aware of. And this is what Paul's touching on right here in, in 14. Because it's not about these things. And it's not about conformity to the law. And we all got to be this cookie cutter uh, believer Christian, otherwise we can't be part of the church. Um, Paul's really encouraging others, uh, everyone to love others like Christ loved us. So that third section there, life and death is not for ourselves. We see verse 7, for not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. Verse 8, for if we, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So any, any thoughts or words that you guys wrote down as we read through those passages again on um, that subject and how it pertains to what we're talking about right now? What's the, what's the purpose uh, of a Christian life? Glorify God. Glorify God. So who do we used to glorify before we were Christians? Ourselves. So who do we live for before we were Christians? Ourselves. Typically ourselves, right? There's lots of excuses everyone gives for, you know, for my wife, for my kids, for my parents, for, for my job. Lots of people live for their job. Yeah, yeah. But you could say, my Lord. Yeah, yeah, you could say, my Lord. But yeah, life and death now, as we've been enlightened and the veil's been pulled from our eyes so we can see truth and we, we can read this and understand it because uh, we've been given new, new hearts, a new life, a new understanding of why we're even here. Uh, that's very important that we, we understand what we do we're here to do in honor of the Lord. So if you choose to do something, if, if any of these believers that Paul's talking about here in Rome chose to do something that was against their conscience and they were against eating certain meats, can they honor the Lord in doing that? Are they honoring the Lord in doing something that they feel guilty of sin about doing? No. Thanks, Tyler. <laughs> well, it comes down to sin is disobedience to God. Yes. I mean, all sin is disobedience to God. If we think we're being disobedient, 
act that way, we are sinning. Right. Because we're being disobedient, we're rebelling against God. But if you show up to a, a, ch a church meeting and um, you're opposed to eating vegetables, there we go. You're opposed to eating vegetables because whatever reasons you have that are godly reasons, but we have a vegetable feast here and it's a potluck and everyone brings it and there's no meat because we all agreed we're not going to have meat. And you say, okay, I guess I'll hit some vegetables. Although you are convinced otherwise, again, biblically, that, does that put you in sin? Can't you think that you're acting in rebellion? You are. So if you did it, if you ate the vegetables with us, would you be in rebellion? If you believe that's what God's told you not to do. Right, okay. <laughs> bring a steak for yourself. <laughs> now, would bringing a steak for yourself cause the rest of the church to be in sin if they thought we couldn't be around steak and we couldn't eat it? You gotta do it on down. <laughs> Some beef jerky chunks out of your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's when I tell them they're the stronger brothers. You need to give in to me. <laughs> Andy? I heard R.C. Sproul say one time that this passage proves that God's word is divine. The weaker brothers are the ones that eat vegetables. <laughs> April. Isn't there so somewhere in the if it offends your brother, so if we ate veggies and he didn't, uh -huh. would it be good? Offend him so we don't want to offend our brother? It could cause him to stumble, is what the word says. Yes, it could cause him to sin. And why? Why would it cause a brother to to stumble or sin if we're doing something that another believes is is not okay? I know this isn't in our passage right here, but in the realm of that subject, yeah, you're right. It does say that. It talks about that. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 8. That's what Matthew just read. He said, if eating meat causes my brother to sin, I'm never going to eat meat again. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we need to be aware of what our brothers and sisters around us um, are I'm going to say it the wrong way, but weekend, right? They, they have uh, an issue in their faith with something that is eaten or, or done. And um, it's always good to have conversations about that. It's not something that we shouldn't just back away from and never speak of. In a context like this, it's hard. But when you get one-on-one -on -one with your friend and your brother or your sister, um, it's really, really a good time to get in the Word and go over these verses particularly um, to go over acts, right? To, to go over where um, the Bible says that we can't eat things, where it says specifically for Jews after Christ died and rose again, that uh, foods are declared clean now. So if the Jews are released from those dietary laws, uh, then those who aren't Jewish in the first place, but might have some conscience issues in eating certain foods or meats, uh, that'd be a good study to have together um, and can help bring them along. Yes, Joe. Well, today it's coffee. Today it's coffee. Because there are those who don't believe in drinking. So do we not drink coffee around them? Are they in the church of God? I haven't met any that are in the church. I've met a lot outside of the church that aren't believers that believe coffee is not good. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sinning against God <coughs> by doing something around them because they're not believers. Yeah. Tyler had a question first or a comment. Um, yeah, just going back to First Corinthians, what we learned there, Paul tells us that if we're dining at a brother's house, we don't have to go that extra step and ask them, hey, has this been sacrificed to an idol? So, um, yeah, we need to be aware of our brother's consciences, and we need to be soft towards that and consider towards that, but we don't need to necessarily go on the hunt and go on the, the look for, okay, well, where are they weak? It should really be rather easy for us if we're all being guided by the same uh, scripture, by God's holy word. There are going to be differences of opinion along the way, but we don't have to search those out. 
they'll make themselves manifest on their own. Andy or Jim? The ideal to me is that if, if somebody is weak in their faith and you're doing that and it causes them to say, you know, I don't know if I want to be a Christian if that's the way they act. Or I don't, I'm not going back to that church because the way they act. I mean, it's, it's all a matter, not so much whether they believe it or not, but if what I'm doing is going to cause them to stumble in their faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We and, can believe different things and we're not sinning. Right. You know, but right. If what I'm doing causes someone else to, to stumble, to withdraw from God, to, mm -hmm. to withdraw from worship, then, then yeah, that's not, not something I want to do. Or even to conform to what you're doing because yeah. you're doing it and yeah. it goes against your conscience. Yeah. That's not good. Mandy? Comment? Question? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think the overarching principle is that we live in unity because we love the Lord and we want to be And, I mean, if we all dug into each other's lives, each of us individually, we would all find things with the other thing we disagree. I would hope so. That's not that's not love. That's me with a log in my eye trying to pull the speck out of my brother's eye. We love each other, we have patience, we have kindness, we share Yep. We share the same Holy Spirit. Yep. You're right. And that's the next section there, the purpose. But before we get there, real quick. In honoring the Lord, this life and death is not for ourselves. As we're convinced today, ourselves, in what we can and can't do. You know, maybe it's alcohol, right? Maybe it's tobacco. Maybe it's how we dress at church, the days we worship. How we think today can change. And we can still honor the Lord as that changes, right? As we mature. And hopefully not as we unmature, Whatever that backslide, right? But we we can we can change, and it would be uh, good, and it would be wise, and it would be um, good to understand that. As if someone sits here today and says, "I I do this or I can't do that," and then a year from now it's different, um, and they're convinced on why because it's in the Bible and because what they've learned within the church with the body, um, that's okay, and they're honoring God and doing that, right? Because we matured together, and we all do it at our own speed and our own pace. So yeah, Andy, as he was pointing out, the purpose, the purpose of this, of what Paul's bringing up, um, we see in the verses here towards the end where we're where we're reading, uh, verse nine. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So Jesus is Lord of both. The living and the dead. What do you think? Is he Lord of all? Or just some? <laughs> uh, it's a, a both end answer, I would say. Yeah, we're equivocating on the <laughs> dead and Lord in uh -huh. that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Obviously, he's Lord of all the universe, yes. The physically alive and the dead, and the spiritually alive and the dead. Um, whether or not. The world decides to recognize that, yes, he is Lord, and we are called to recognize him as Lord, right? But his purpose uh, was coming here to be that Lord, to pay for the sins of the world. It's also to bring his church on board, bring them up to share the gospel to invite believers into his fold, right? 
and to have them go out and proclaim his, his good news and his truth throughout all the world. Now we have his Bible, his word to do it. So if this is the Lord's purpose, what's your purpose? I think we went over that already. It's to honor the Lord in everything that you do. Every aspect of life that we do, it's, it's to honor the Lord. And again, Paul's, Paul's making a point here of wanting the church to not separate and to not um, judge one another and to not have these opinionating thoughts that's, that pull people apart from within the church because there's a vast array of people within the church of Rome. Uh, a lot of them were Gentiles, but some of them were, going, were Jew. And just that premise alone is what's going to be very easy uh, for any church that tries to come together uh, and, and be together to just start making up man-made rules and applying them to each other, which again takes us back to that conformity to law, except it's man-made law as we, as we do that. But is it bad? Is it bad for um, people to ever, ever separate within the realm of the church? Why not? Because if you have someone within the church who is denying that Christ rose, or that he's coming back for those first column issues that are already Yep. It's not that it's an option to separate. First column issues on this, again, for those of you familiar with it, would be separating believers from non-believers, right? The second column issues would be more of the ones that um, people within a church would decide to separate over certain doctrines, right? Um, yeah, different types of baptism, stuff like that. Read that right up at the top. Of doubtful things? No, the very top. Oh, Primary doctrines should not be violated by other doctrines. These objective truths inform and limit convictions and conscience matters. So we don't have the liberty to say, well, it's my conscience. My conscience gives me the right to, to go and get drunk, even though scripture says I can. Uh, my conscience says I can uh, go out and have three, four, five wives if I want. I can do all these different things. Uh, we need to filter that through the lens of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is important for us to be united. And it is important for us to be here in Christ's church together. And it's important that there's diversification, that we're not all the exact same and look the same and act the same and believe, you know, every day exactly the same way, right? But it comes to judging one another and how we're holding each other uh, accountable to those things, depending on what it is. But here's a, here's a last question for you. The big question I have at the end of this, if you're going to impose your thoughts, your feelings, your, we got to do this, we got to do that on any other believer, whose lordship do you expect believers to submit to yours or Jesus? Jesus. Right. Because if you expect them to do what you do because of what you eat, what you observe. And again, it's in within the realm of the church. We're not talking outside the church. We're not talking secondary doctrine or primary doctrine. Um, these are the doubtful things. Here's a quote that I really liked in regards to this um, in this commentary, the epistle to the Romans from James Stifler. He wrote, the brother weak or the brother strong who would insist on his own method of living as a rule for all strikes at the very lordship of Christ. We're putting ourselves in the seat of Christ when we start insisting someone live this way and live that way. And um, these are things that are, are in God's word that we can have differences on, right? And anyone who does that within the realm of the church is actually the weaker one. And they need the word just as much as we do. And it's important that, that we see that together. 
<laughs> well, we all get caught doing it, right? And as I was studying through this and I was reading through this and coming up with these notes, um, you know, I, I put myself in the realm of our church here. And then I put myself in the realm of my marriage, right? And at home with kids. And yeah, there's certain things that I, I need them to do and I want them to do. Um, but it's deciding on, on what's truly important and God honoring and what I'm just being stubborn about and insisting on my way, right? So within my own household, that's important. And it's really important within this church and this body because we're very diversified here, but we could be a lot more diversified um, as well as more people join and come in and are from different uh, backgrounds and different countries and different ethnicities or they have different uh, past beliefs that they've had. Um, how welcoming we are will, will matter. And where we draw the line on what's important and what are doubtful things is very important as well. So, any last comments, Joe? Question, comment? I'm unique, just like everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> you are. <laughs> and we appreciate you being here. <laughs> last thoughts? All right, I'll wrap up. Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you for uh, your apostle Paul and for him having the heart that you put in him to write this letter to the church he, he hadn't known yet, Lord. Thank you for that church in Rome. Um, this gives us so much knowledge and so much wisdom uh, to just soak in ourselves this letter to the Roman church. And I pray that we can continue to grow as our own little church here in the middle of Utah in Payson. Uh, where we come from all over to gather in honor of you. I pray that we can live our lives and do the things that we do in honor of you, Lord, that we think about it, that we don't just do stuff without thinking of you and how it involves you and what we're doing in light of you, Lord, that we can live a life uh, that is uh, conscience bound to you, that we don't do things outside of what our conscience tells us, and that when we have conflicting issues, that when we're not sure, when we have questions about what is right and what is wrong, that we confide in our brothers and our sisters here in Christ. That's what this church is here for, and that's what you've made us to do. And we thank you for uh, doing that, Lord. Pray that we can honor you the rest of today and this week as we go on with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.